Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Sachs's Essay Today podcast. My name is Michelle Botcher, and I'm an associate professor at Clemson University. I'm also your host for this program. Today, I'm pleased to have an outstanding panel of experts to talk about residence life and housing during the pandemic, not only what they've experienced, but looking ahead to what might be next as we hopefully make our way out of the COVID-19 pandemic. My guests today are Chase Coleman, Anna Claire Jackson, Lexi Johnson, and Jordan Viers. Welcome everyone to the podcast. Hello, Michelle. Greetings. Hey. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) So before we delve into the past year and what things have looked like for you all, would you mind sharing a little bit about yourselves and how you found your way into student affairs? Jordan, if you don't mind starting, that would be great. Absolutely. Well, it is great to be hanging out with all of you for a little bit today. Um, My name is Jordan Byers. I am starting my third year as a residence coordinator at Duke University. Um, I started in 2019 after I finished grad work under the um, awesomeness of Dr. Michelle Botcher at Clemson University. Um, And uh, yeah, I initially started in in a different community. Lots of stuff changed throughout the pandemic, so much so that I'm actually managing a different community now um, that kind of was born out of the pandemic. So excited to talk about the good, bad, and the ugly that was COVID-19 and the work that we do. Thanks, Jordan. Yeah, my name's Anna Claire Jackson. Um, I also go by EC. If you hear that name in this podcast, that's who she is. Um, I, my story is a little bit different in that I am currently serving in student activities role at UNC Asheville um, in an associate director of programming predominantly right now. Um, But that's only as of the last month or so. So um, before that though, I met these fellow friends at Clemson for for grad school. And then I did three years of uh, full-time work in housing at App State and then here at UNC Asheville. Um, But because of life circumstances and being tired of waking up to phone calls in the middle of the night um, and having a dog and a partner, it's like, okay, time is here for me to move on to another stage of life. And this opportunity came up. And so that's that's kind of what brought me here. But I would definitely say COVID had impacted my experience in, in, in housing, being a live-on position, being a mandatory reporter, and um, or I guess responder in a lot of ways. So, yeah. Thanks, AC. Appreciate it. Lexi. Yeah, so I am Lexi Johnson. I am currently going into my second year as an area coordinator at the University of Richmond. I also know everyone here from Clemson University where um, I was a graduate community director. Yep, go Tigers. Um, So uh, the way that I kind of found myself into this, uh, in this field was the way most people find themselves here, which is taking a wrong turn, tripping, accidentally falling in here on their face, you know, the usual. But um, (laughs) the way it kind of happened for me was I was, 
at the um, University of Tennessee at Chattanooga. And I was really involved in a lot of different things that I didn't realize was student affairs. So I was an RA, I worked at the Multicultural Center, I was in the Women and Gender Equity um, Center, and I was also in the Student Alumni Council. And then I also, um, I interned at Domestic Violence Shelter with my social work program. And when I was in there, I realized that I did like working with adults. Like I realized I was actually really good at working with other adults. Um, and that made me realize that I wanted to be in that capacity, but more of an educational standpoint rather than an intervention standpoint. So that's kind of how I fell into student affairs whenever I realized that it was actually something that I would be really good at. So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. And Chase. Yes, that's great. Thank you again, Jordan, for swapping with me. Uh, but so my name is Chase Coleman. I know AC had mentioned she's a little atypical with her experience. I think I'm going to trump everybody. I actually manage a bar right now. Um, so I, yep, I have my second master's. I'm the beard in master in a grocery store. So that's hilarious to me. Priorities. Um, <laughs> what was that? I said priorities. I know, right? Uh, I can I'm definitely, I'm sure it'll come up later on in the podcast. This is a very temporary thing, but um, I got into student affairs. You know, I was an RA at UNC Chapel Hill for three years. Um, went to Clemson and met all these good people. Uh, and right after grad school, went to go work at the University of Louisville. Um, and that was a very good experience. We were like doing very well and then COVID hit and it just like everything just changed and we will talk about it more, but um, it has offered me some very unique experiences and just, yeah, it's been a little bit of a trip. So that's me. Yeah. And I, I'm really glad to have this group together because you are or have had different experiences. And I think that um, it's good to get different perspectives about what has this meant? How, how have you moved through it and you know what are you individually but also as a profession what are we potentially moving to next so thank you all again for uh joining me for the conversation um one other thing by way of sort of an introduction is i, I would love for each of you to share the name of maybe one or two people that have been instrumental in your experience in student affairs. We're always talking about how it's a small field and you either know everyone or you know somebody who knows everyone. And so just for people who are listening to maybe make some of those connections, who are people who have really played a role for you? And again, it could be um, a supervisor, it could be somebody from your undergraduate experience, whatever whatever resonated with you when you heard the question. And um, AC, if you would start this time, that would be great. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm glad that you asked this because I actually totally forgot to talk about how I even found student affairs. So I'm a great listener. I enjoy that. Um, but I started my, I guess my understanding an experience in, in student affairs when I was in college and I found it in orientation. And I'm like a little bug of energy when it comes to these things. And I'm, I'm very glad I did because my support system that I had to help me 
find more about student affairs and to apply to grad school and to really understand the whole the whole shebang. Um, it, it, we had a I had a very strong support system and the key person was my first supervisor ever, who is Emily Wheeler at UNC Charlotte, and she's I mean the woman's invited to our our wedding that got postponed because of COVID. Um, well, our vow renewal got postponed. We got married. Yay. Um, but you know, so that was, I guess, a number of years ago now. What is that? Five? More than five? More than five years. Um, and she's somebody who saw something in me, um, helped empower me to be a go-getter and to really apply myself and to identify my strengths and identify what I bring to the table. So I think on a personal level, there was a lot of development there, but like that applied to how I was in um, a professional or appropriate setting. And so um, she helped me um, work through a lot of, you know, student situations, supervisor situations, um, and just helped me understand why we do what we do. And I think that looks different for everyone in higher ed, uh, depending on where you are, how long you've been here, how well you're doing. <laughs> so, um, but to help me, to help me in, in shaping that for myself. And then another one I would say, and you all are gonna laugh cause you all know him in some capacity is Arnold Lane Jr. <clears throat> the man's a legend. Guy. I'm gonna regret saying that. I really am on this podcast. But he is another one who, um, he is somebody who is bold beyond belief. He has, I think, th three degrees now. He has a bachelor and two masters now. And um, he keeps wanting to just go bigger and, and higher. Um, but he's somebody who was really annoying, like so annoying as my supervisor. Really, really ticked me off. But it's because he was an achiever and wanted to see me grow. And I needed that structure. I needed the organization. And I needed his passion to really fuel me um, and to really also understand how equity and inclusion play a role so, so um, clearly, but also not clearly um, in a lot of different ways in our field. And so that's shaped a lot of who I am and, and how I'm here. I'm going to stop talking now. That was great. Thanks, AC. How about you, Lexi? Yeah, so I feel like there are so many uh, people because there are so many people that I feel like did mentoring in my life, but I don't necessarily consider a mentor right now. But like almost all of the RDs that I worked at that UTC um, kind of helped me. I remember um, there's just so many. One told me about TPE, one told me about their life, you know, but the people that I kind of have narrowed it down to was um, a woman named Terry Thomas. I think I knew her for all of one semester, um, but she was a, um, she worked in our multicultural center for like, I think a semester or two, and she was like the key point of preparing me for grad school. Um, like I, like I said, I didn't really understand student affairs was a profession at the time. I just thought, oh, there's people working at college, right? I didn't understand it yet. So she was the person that kind of sat me down and whenever I told her I was applying to Clemson because of a friend 
who worked at Clemson um, referred me to go there. Anywho, uh, but yeah, she sat me down. She explained the interview process to me. She explained to you guards to me and kind of how all that went through. And she gave me some of the um, the lingo. She's like, oh, say this in your interview. And I was like, what does that even mean, right? But um, so Terry Thomas, she was very um, influential and she really just helped me the whole time when applying for places. Um, but another person that the majority of us know that I have to mention as a mentor in my life back then and currently would be Kiana Talley. Um, love that woman. I know AC's like clapping right now. Like that, she is the woman, okay? Um, <laughs> she was my former supervisor at Clemson. For both of the years I was there, strong black woman, unapologetic and just knows who she is. And I just always looked up to her. Um, and then now we are actually really good friends. She's one of my best friends and she's living her best life. And so am I. And I always look to her for literally everything. And at this point, it's not just student affairs. It's just like life in general. Mm -hmm. So great. Thank you. Jordan, how about you? Sure. I think the, the first person who comes to mind was my first dean of students in undergrad. Um, she was someone I developed a deep, deep connection with in undergrad. Um, and we've stayed very close to each other. Um, as the years have gone by, she actually just retired in April um, as vice chancellor, student affairs at my undergrad. So it was kind of cool. Um, for her to develop me as a student and then to also connect with her as a student affairs professional and relate to the work that she was doing and her help kind of coach me along my way and then to see her get to retirement and I'm still here. It's kind of weird to, to think that we work in, um, in a student affairs uh, world without Dr. Jewel Worley. Um, but, uh, it's, it's a good time and, and she is living her best life in retirement. I think the other person who in grad school, I think every student affairs grad student goes through that identity crisis of what the heck did I get myself into? <laughs> um, and the person who sort of gave me the space and grace to be me and, and pushed me, but also gave me all the support in the world was um, Ashley Miller who as of this past weekend is Ashley Miller Mills. I had to look up her new last name because I couldn't remember it. Um, but Ashley was my supervisor when I was a grad for the Bridge to Clemson program. Um, and it, it was sort of that, it was a continuation of Dr. Worley's mentorship that sort of centered, I am limited by myself, not by other people. And so, in this work, um, finding the, the ability to push through all of that self-talk. If you're a RuPaul's Drag Race fan, um, your, uh, your uh, internal saboteur, I forget exactly the language that, that he uses, um, but Ashley was someone who really helped me kind of work through the imposter syndrome of student affairs work. Thanks, Jordan. And Chase, how about you? Absolutely. So I've been lucky to have multiple mentors um, and just good people throughout my journey in student affairs. But the one that I really want to mention, and I believe you know, is Elizabeth Vaughn, um, who was one of my supervisors at the University of Louisville. Um, I really believe, and I've told some people this, everyone needs to have at least one conversation with Elizabeth, like just 
at least once because uh, you'll never forget it. Um, and I remember I met her at employee orientation at the University of Louisville and was so overwhelmed by just her as a person and her presence in the space. I was like, oh my goodness, like I'm going to be working with her. Who is this? Uh, she is very fantastic, cares a lot, like is one of the hardest working people I knew there. Um, and, you know, when the pandemic hit and everybody's working from home, I didn't really get that luxury um, to be able to do that. But it always made it a little bit easier because her office was right beside mine and that she didn't have to do it. She was pretty much in the trenches with me just about every day. Um, so I respect her a great deal um, and just see her as one of those role models I always will remember in my head. Thank you all very much. I, in some ways, this is one of my favorite parts of uh, the, the podcast because you learn, I get to learn so much about each of you in how you talk about the people that have been sort of there for you or, and it's not somebody who's there for us always sometimes. Sometimes it's the right person in the right moment and it can just make all the difference. So um, wonderful. Thank you each very much for that. Um, all right, so let's, let's talk about this housing stuff, okay? Um, AC, before we start, I wanna ask a clarification question um, because you said that you transitioned out of housing into your current role. You didn't talk about the pandemic. I know you can't necessarily separate, but would you say that the pandemic played a major role or was it really more about um, where you are in your life and kind of what you needed out of your your day-to-day -day lived experience, if, if you don't mind responding to that. Absolutely. I would say that the decision, I was thinking about it prior to the pandemic. Um, you know, I, at that point I had, I would say like probably the fall of 20, no, it was later. I don't know when it really started, but I started to grow more um, impatient with myself and like my work and like, it wasn't not, like no, nothing major was changing prior to the pandemic and the work that I was doing, but like, I found myself getting very weary emotionally. And so I would say the pandemic put a strain on that. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't say the pandemic, but like the circumstances of the pandemic, along with everything else going on in the world. And um, that, that for me was what kind of pushed me toward that direction of being more firm in the decision. Okay, I appreciate mm -hmm. that because again, mm -hmm. I don't think any of us can separate our last year plus at this point from the pandemic, but um, I just, I wanted to clarify just a little bit on that. So that's really helpful. Um, at this point, you know, I'm not going to be the boss of you in terms of what order you go in, but would somebody be willing to start and just talk a little bit about um, what, what has it been like where you are to be working in housing for the past almost year and a half now, given where we are. So, um, and for listeners, we're recording this at the end of June. So just to give you that context as to when the conversation is happening. So don't know what August move in feels like yet. <laughs> just so everyone knows. 
<laughs> Wasn't it Jordan? Jordan, didn't you post a status the other, not the other day, but like a long time ago, maybe last fall that was like, why do families decide to bring their dogs to move in? Yes, <laughs> I'm just in COVID. Like Scrappy does not need to wish your child off to school parents, please. Keep them at home on that day. Or get a dog sitter. Oh my god! That gosh. resonated with me. Um, I suppose I can start. I think the way that I've uh, a couple couple of lessons. I've learned a lot of lessons actually through COVID doing this work. Um, but to start, I think the good days are really good when you connect with students. You are connecting with students like this. The shared struggle and emotional labor that was the COVID pandemic just really. I think made those those deep moments deeper. Uh, I said in a division meeting at one point that it empathy became the norm. Like we were, you know, if we were meeting with students for conduct reasons or, you know, for for something that was less than fun, there was at least a minute or two at the beginning or end of that, in my experience, where it was like, okay, cool, let's set work and all this other crap aside. How are you? How, how is this moment? How's it going? The bad days were really, really bad. Really, really bad. Um, multiple, juggling multiple priorities, having, you know, one thing is the top priority one day and then the next day it's something different. Um, or being in um, uh, a space where you're needed for whatever work and then you've got something else bubbling up like it got to closing in April I'll never forget I had to call my supervisor and I was like I just wanted to call you really quick to make sure that I'm still on the same page about what everyone's supposed to be doing because I just feel like I'm missing something and I'm I'm someone who's always on top of it to the best of my ability and I walked through everything and she was like no that's exactly you got everything perfectly we spent five minutes laughing about how something that is normally so stressful for us was just a walk in the, in the park because of the stresses of this past year. Um, you know, the biggest lesson for me as a professional is pushing back on my students and on fellow staff members, be they a super, be them a supervisor or a coworker to say, we are students exactly like our students. We deserve as much space and grace as they do to learn, to get things wrong, to correct. We hold ourselves to these unrealistic standards that we feel like we have to meet. And those standards are important, but we don't really give ourselves room for error. And at times there's not room for error, but those times are few and far between, realistically. Um, for us to, to model in the moment where we do get something wrong or where our response or work wasn't um, what someone else expected to back up and model what it means to be wrong or what it means to, to correct a mistake. I feel like we don't, don't, we didn't do a good job of that before the pandemic. And I'm hoping at least going forward, that's something that I will be better at, whether the field follows me or not. Really glad you said that because like I know for me like you know making room for like errors like we're people that's what made it so difficult this past year is that the errors were not just I was five minutes late the errors were like oh by the way like 
if you don't get the rooms exactly right, we could be sending maintenance workers and student staff into COVID-19 spaces. And like, it was errors like that, that like, I just, like, I've got chills right now, like remembering all of this stuff, like working through the pandemic was just traumatic. Like there's no other word for it. Um, it was, it's the air, like you don't want the errors to happen, but it's really like when you say the goods are goods, the bads are bads. Like, oh my God, like, yes, I fully resonate with that. I think for me, both of you guys said something that I was like, yes, like Jordan was talking about things that would be stressful in the past. They're not even like you really didn't have time to focus on how stressful they were now because there was now a looming bigger stressor, which was the pandemic. Um, and then you said it was just traumatic. Like, yo, I like <laughs> the whole time I'm like, I'm kind of salty because people don't recognize me as a first responder. I'm literally like y'all, like I was literally out here on the front lines, like taking COVID positive people from their rooms, transporting them to our COVID spaces, walking them upstairs, keying in, they're directly beside me. I'm walking in to make sure the room's clean. Oh, this one isn't clean. Okay, well, I just went to a COVID-19 room that wasn't clean. You know, like it was a lot and that wasn't once or twice, right? Like my entire, for us, my entire, our, our fall semester was full of that. We didn't hire other people to take care of COVID for us. It was the ACs who were doing, I, it was housing that was doing all of that, right? So I can't just say my role because my supervisor's role and then our director were, they were amazing. Like there were times, one time I literally was working until maybe 11 p.m. Like when I say I went in at 8 a.m. and worked until 11 p.m. because of transport, my boss my boss's boss, my boss's colleague all came uh, and just helped the whole night. So, but real quick, and that kind of turned me, you know, sideways a little bit, but um, I wanted to say that I entered into this pandemic as a grad, you know, at Clemson. So I had to undergo job search um, and I'm still like, I'm still salty. I didn't get to go to TPE. Mine was like online and not fun, um, which people keep telling me that's not a bad thing. They're like, Lexi, congrats. You didn't have to go to TPE. <laughs> but um, my on campuses were um, virtual. I literally spent all day at a quote unquote on campus. Um, so it was really hard for me because then I got to this job and it wasn't just my first year. It felt like it was everyone's first year because they were making new policies and they, we had to be the ones who tried out the new policies. They didn't work. So then we had to be the ones who came in and said, Hey, this isn't working on the ground. Can we switch some things up? And it's really hard to do that as a new hire, right? Like it's hard. So oftentimes I had to just trust that my supervisor had my back and I had to go to her about things. And thank goodness she did. Absolutely amazing. Um, so it, I really feel like if I can describe the last year in one word, it would be chaos um, but I, if I can add another word to it, I would say organized chaos, because when I say our team kicked Heine, <laughs> like they did a great job, um, overall, but I, I will say that a lot of times, um, like, uh, our, our student conduct, it wasn't about alcohol, right? It wasn't about, um, parties. It was now about, you had your mask off, <laughs> like indoors, everything changed. Um, and it was, it was really hard to learn my students virtually 
like all of the relationships I made was from calling or from one-on-ones in person. Or I remember one of my mentors were like, you're talking on the phone too much with your students. Like you need to set some boundaries that they're not always calling you. And I'm like, but they literally physically can't get to me, you know? So that was one way of how I had to make those connections and build that, that bridge so that they knew I was there for them. So, but it balanced out spring semester. <laughs> Lexi, you talk. I know AC is getting ready to go real quick. No, go, 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 go. Lexi, did you find that, because I spend a lot of times with coworkers thinking through this, but particularly conduct or difficult conversations with residents, did you find that they were like willing to like have the hard conversations in an easier way when they were on Zoom? Because what I noticed sometimes was them being in their personal space in their room, I could have a conduct situation where they were more willing to be vulnerable and, and sort of reflect more so than they would in my office. I'm just wondering if other people found that or if that was just an anomaly of me pushing my students. Yeah, I think to a certain extent, I do, I w- I'm not able to compare like a first year, you know, pre-pandemic um, in my position versus like during the pandemic because, like, you know, I was at a whole other institution. But I would say my conduct meetings that were we would give them in 30 minutes. A lot of them was like 15 minutes because they would just be like, yep, mm-hmm, I did that. Yep. Great. Let's move on. Or we'd have the exact opposite and it'd be like, well, this is silly. That's not even a real policy. It's just COVID. I was eating or, you know, it was either like it was the two extremes or honestly they were way more relaxed but not necessarily in a good or a bad way for example um one student she was like okay yeah mm-hmm, housing probation mm-hmm, yeah your eyeliner it's so cute i and it is like look at it it's nice but she was like where what brand do you use and i'm like girl <laughs> this is serious she's like that's okay, for after this you. meeting <laughs> Right. I was like, if this is serious, but also here's the brand. You can get that public. <laughs> That's awesome. I feel I felt oh, like you hit me in the heart when you talked about building relationships, Lexi, when you're talking about like. You don't you. You can't get to know your students virtually and everything was virtual and. Okay, I say you can't. Obviously, you can. Obviously, you can make it work, which we did, which leads me to my next point of that for me was probably the hardest thing um, on a professional level to go through because it was such uncharted territory for not only people who work on my level, but every single person who works for the university, including supervisor, including operations, including um, room selection uh, assignments folks, and including the director, including facilities. So it's like, um, it kind of feels, it, it, it was nice because we were all in the same boat, but it also felt like, who do we turn to? Well, I guess we have to turn to ourselves because now we have to become experts in, um, our own areas of how we get, we are affected by the pandemic. And so I will never forget the day that it happened, like the day that that we had to ask students to leave the residence halls. And I was already up at the housing office 
and the, there was an email that went out to students and then it was like straight chaos. Chaos, I remember to the point that for two weeks, I worked every day for about 12 hours. And I'm sure that is very, very uh, similar to a lot of people in, in, in our field. But like when you work in this field, in this specific area of higher ed, like you, it's similar to Lexi, like you, you are the people expect that people look to to say like, okay, like what now? Like, can you go to this room? Like, can we do this? Can we, can we make this work? And I think it got to a point for me where I was, I was becoming uh, undone. I was, I was starting to lose it a little bit. Um, and it was hard because my students were even messaging me that day of like, what, are we gonna be back? Should I, like some, one of my students was like, I'll be back tomorrow to log some hours with my volunteer work or something. And it was like managing like that with my students who I have a relationship with, um, with the, all of the emotions that I could not process um, because everything had to be done, answering the phones and logistically everything had to happen. We had to put up signs on all the buildings, lock the doors and take off access for everybody, like like call parents back that were calling in. I mean, flooded, 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 flooded to the point where um, we were backed up with like 30 voicemails within like 15 minutes in the first little bit. Um, so I say all that to say that like that was that was a that was the day that like out like my my chest feels tight thinking about all of it. Um, so like right when that hit and then right before the students came back, it was hard for me again because I felt like I wasn't prepared um, mentally and emotionally. I felt like I wasn't ready to support students. I, I was not ready to go above and beyond in my job. I wasn't ready to share laundry units with students like legit like it's funny talking about it but I remember like sitting there because I hit a breaking point I was crying with a friend of mine and I was like I'm not ready to 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 share laundry with them even like I just can't do it and so we like processed it and all was fine but you know that's the stuff you kind of have to you can't you have to think about um now in all innocent breath I want to say and then I'll stop talking that um our team was awesome. Um, there were a lot of schools that struggled and a lot of schools that had to, you know, whatever, do their own thing. But we tried our hardest and I believe our entire team did. And it was exhausting, but we, everyone had a piece of the puzzle and I, I don't take that for granted. AC, I know you have to leave here in a little bit to go to another meeting. I, I want to ask a question, and then I think the other three may have some responses because they're nonverbals. They were with you with everything that you were saying. Um, what are some takeaways for you, whether it's skills you developed, whether it's a way of thinking, not just about that job, but about the work that we do in student affairs in general, are there innovative things that you did that you're like, this This will change who I am as a professional? Uh, it's a big question, but are there some things that come to mind right off the bat? 
Okay, I'm going to be authentic here, right? I am combating, like, your question in my mind because I am, I am like, emotionally charged right now. And mm. I am, I have processed this. I thought I was in a better place until you just ripped my heart out again. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag trauma bonding. <laughs> like, I don't mean it when I talk to Michelle. What were you thinking? Gosh, what are you doing to us? Um, no, I'm kidding. I love you forever. We follow graduated from your program. Follow, follow her on Facebook. Um, no, 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 no. But but genuinely, like that's like initially that's my emotions with it. And and part of that is also because I'm currently in a position where I'm having to um we're short staffed and I have never done student activities before. And so I am in that mindset of like okay we make something out of nothing like and also like what's the bar what is success going to mean for us and like what do I have to put on hold um what is a priority out of all the things that have to get done and so and that that's like the thinking that I had that I had developed from the pandemic which is is hard but it uh, it helps you become more resilient it helped me become more resilient, I will say, um, and has challenged me to think more about what is our biggest need and then go from there, or what our biggest needs and then go from there, and then how can we do it and how can we support each other? Um, for me, there's a big human aspect to all of this, and we're not. I'm I'm really tired of just doing the work because it's what's always been done. And so I think that um, that light has been shed on a lot of, um, I don't know, I would like to say colleagues, I think for administrators, like, I think there's so much pressure from above. And I say administrators in a very broad sense that like, to be honest, like, I don't, I think things are going back to the way they were in terms of their thought processes pre-pandemic. Um, and so I try to not fall into that because it's easy, but I'm, I'm trying to, to stand firm in what I had mentioned of like, what are our biggest needs? What can we do to get there? And who, how do we support each other? Because um, at the end of the day, this is a job. <laughs> uh, it, there, it centers around humans. It centers around students. And it centers around, um, you know, um, what's the word I want? I guess just that human aspect of it. So I don't know if that made sense. No, it did. And I, I appreciate you being honest. I mean, I, we're still in it, you know, and I'm, I'm asking you to have conversation about something that you're still figuring out. And I almost feel like we should do this again in a year because no. then you have no, okay. Except for AC. I'm down. Um, but, perspective changes, right? um, but the reality of what matters, I hope is forever changed because of this. Because some of the things that were so important two years ago, today it's like, yeah, it'll be fine. We need to really spend our energy here. So, um, and I mean, you know me well enough. I if you need to call me out, you call me out. And, um, but I'm so glad that you showed up to talk about it. So I hope you're 
finding some benefit in it as well. So, um, thank you. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. go ahead. That was all. Just thank you. Just thank you. Yeah. yeah. But I think it's not one or, right? And the yes. reality is, it may not be good and bad. It might be mostly bad, you know? And I think until we get to wherever next is, we won't know for sure. Um, but just in what each of you is talking about and, you know, finding things to celebrate, but I don't know that's where most of your energy was in the past year. I don't think it was celebrating. I'm really glad I have the team I do. It was probably drawn other places. So Jordan, I think you were about to say something. Oh, two things, both of them are hot takes. Um, I'm not the king of hot takes at all. Um, but I think COVID sort of shined a light on the first thing is hot take for particularly res life, but going further to student affairs in general, students don't want to come to programs. Yes, they do not. <laughs> Sorry for the person who just moved to student activities. <laughs> But what I mean by that is students don't want to come to programs in the traditional ways that we have focused on programming. Like this generation of students is more focused on their experience broadly. Um, and that includes their friend groups and all of this stuff. So the way that like Duke is currently undergoing a, an overhaul of its um, residential living and learning program. Um, and that's one of the things that we've sort of looked at is, you know, um, Duke is on a very um, generic programming model where the RA is very much sort of the subject matter expert, putting on programming, all that good stuff. We're sort of moving hopefully to like a curriculum light model where that love is shared between people who are the true subject matter experts for content heavy things, DEI programming, all that bit. And the RA is focused more on social programming, but even the social programming bit is difficult because students are, are, are looking more broadly outside of uh, the residence hall or something like that um, to engage. And which leads me to my other hot take at the staff level that this taught us in COVID, at least it taught me, um, I think student affairs broadly does a bad job of remembering that student affairs professionals are people first. Um, so the pandemic taught me um, or shifted my mindset to, I am working to live. I am no longer living to work. My job has to be a lifestyle because students are 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But what that means is this hybrid model of working, of working from home and Zoom meetings and all of this in order for me to be able to sustain my mental health, my stamina and energy in doing this job, the university has to give those staff members that ability. Like our, our ability to show up has not changed um, during COVID. We have shown up every single day. Um, 
but being able to answer emails if you hear a squeak my dog is currently going crazy so you're welcome saxa audience i know there's a podcast coming out about saxa dogs she is one um <laughs> is he go um but i think that um being able to integrate the um, gigantic role that I play within the university into my life, into being able to, to have dinner with my partner, being able to um, balance some me time in the middle of the day because I've got late nights every week. Those things are important and need to be sustained beyond the pandemic. I thought that was a long way of getting there. Can I ask a super cool question and then I gotta run? No, and you can never ask people today, and then and then you all can talk and be great. My question is, when do we as supervisors and as colleagues and coworkers um, draw a line from this is really hard and we're doing a lot of hard work and we're going through a lot of hard things and that's affecting us in a lot of different ways that we don't even understand. And then there's people who take advantage of that. Just food for thought. I'm curious. I have not heard this kind of topic brought up and I'm going to back out now. So I was literally like, I'm so glad you guys were going down this road because one of the things I was thinking about saying earlier that I forgot because I started talking in circles, but um, people view student affairs definitely as a whole, but definitely those who live on campus, like um, area coordinators, resident directors, um, I can't think of what they're called, or community directors, you know, our entry level position in res life. Um, they view us as, let's see, glorified students. Like they don't view us as adults who have families, who are like, we need space, right? So one thing I have learned, not even just here, but even at Clemson, like when I was a grad was that every time they needed something, they come directly to us because we're the ones living on campus and we're the ones who can get directly to the students the quickest. So that just, that's really something that I, yes, I feel like everything was on the backs of the housing department and that people, especially during the pandemic, I heard so many times like, oh, well, we don't feel comfortable doing that because of COVID. So um, we're going to ask housing or the AC to do it. And I'm like, hey, friends. Um, yeah, I have like a what N95 mask and that's it. Like, I'm not comfortable either. Right. So I'm glad you guys brought that up because that's something that I saw before the pandemic. Whenever I was in my grad role, kind of like viewing it on everyone and something that I see a lot now, now that I am in the entry level position. It's crazy. And it's, I'm glad somebody brought it up because it's such a tricky subject because we were all viewing, we were all in the trenches, but like, I, it was just hard. Like, I know like with housing and stuff like that, like we were doing a lot. And one of the things that they did was with meal deliveries, which housing was doing, they said, okay, we're going to try and help you all out. We're going to ask all of student affairs who can help with meal deliveries well, go figure when nobody volunteers to help with meal deliveries, what are we going to do? Just let these students starve? Or are we going to let... We're going to require the housing staff to do it. Yep. It, and I mean, it, it's that line of like, how do we help out and not be taken advantage of when like 
it's not even a line. We're in this because we care about students. My main goal, and I made this my mission, was safety. And it just so happened that that really got pushed to the test when the pandemic hit because, you know, I want my students to feel safe. They need meals. Like, yeah, this sucks. But you know what? Like, the only reason I even felt comfortable doing stuff is because, like, our associate director he truly meant he was not going to do anything if he didn't feel comfortable doing it. When he was doing meal deliveries, I felt comfortable doing meal deliveries, but like outside of that, it was just, and it just, it burnt you out like so much quicker than everything else because you, unless you're actually living in housing or you are a resident slave like person, like the pandemic was genuinely two different worlds. I feel um you could not distinguish like you can't close your laptop and be like okay goodbye students they can still knock on my door (laughs) it's it's just gonna be that kind of thing so it's uh, really hard to talk about even now a hundred percent and i think one thing that is sort of shifting focus a little bit is the 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 biggest challenge right now at this moment on Tuesday, June 29th is we have housing staff who've not stopped working in the last 16, 17 months. Yes, we have worked in vacations throughout the academic year, but to quote my supervisor, those vacations and time away those were done because of a mental health necessity. It wasn't a vacation. It was, I am on zero and I've got to get my energy and stamina back. Um, We're now to the point where folks can get time away um, to do some of the typical vacation things, but you've got the priorities of summer that are still going on and you've got the preparation for the incoming academic year and what a a lot of institutions are also saying is we're coming back this year with a bang. We're coming out of COVID. We've got a sophomore class who got shafted this past year because of COVID. They didn't get all of the, the glitz and glamor of their orientation week and their first year and all of that. So we've got to beef up that orientation week, first week of class programming so that it is, you know, it's, it's the big bang of us coming back, all while we're still focusing on staff rest. And, you know, I, I, I bring that point up to also say, I work at an institution that as of now, bear in mind, we've not started July training <laughs> yet, but at least at this point, they've done a really good job of, of sort of balancing that to say, there are no Friday standing meetings division-wide. Um, each individual manager within the division of student affairs was um, required to develop an individualized rest plan for their staff for the summer. Um, I think those are things that we should keep around going forward. I think, um, you know, I'm a big critic of capitalism. We're not going to get into that on this podcast. Stay tuned for the next one where Michelle Botcher and I will just go back and forth. But I think that we we have to get to a point in this functional area 
where we are placing rest as just a high priority as the other things that we are doing because this role for entry-level staff is so encompassing. Yeah, I think one skill that I kind of took with me, I already kind of had, but I really polished off this year was how to um, keep my spirits up um, even in a time of exhaustion and confusion. Um, but also I had to learn, so this is like, you know, if I haven't said it 28 times already, right? This is my first like career position, right? So I had to learn how to almost shield, I'm gonna say separate, I'm gonna say, yeah. I had to separate my distress from like all that stuff that we've been talking about and my RAs and I had to still supervise them. <laughs> like I made it my goal to not bring my burden onto them because they were feeling it everywhere else too. So a skill that I learned was how to stay upbeat and not in a fake way. Like I actually was finding real things to be happy about and creating those relationships. Um, and, you know, this year, whenever I get down on myself and I'm like, oh, I didn't do anything. Like I, you know, I feel like I did nothing separate, whatever, right? My friend here who's an AC with me always reminds me, she's like, Lexi, you did such a good job supervising. Like your students have reached out to you telling you that you were so kind to them. And you, like, I, not to, you know, brag on myself a little bit, but like for Valentine's Day, I gave them Valentine's or like for April Fool's, I did, um, was it's like no fools, just flowers. And I gave all them little flowers, took a long time. I wrote them personal notes. Um, I would send them good morning texts, maybe like once every two or three months, not too often, but like just enough because I was trying so hard to let them know that they're my first priority and their well-being was my first priority. And I would say that out loud. And I think everyone understood that supervision and my RA's well-being was number one for me. So I think that was a skill that I took out with me was even whenever I'm down, I found a way to kind of push through for them because they are the highlight of my job. So. That's awesome. I, so I have, you know, our script of questions here and I think you responded to all of them in one way or another. Oh yeah, those. This, don't worry about it. But this <laughs> this next thing I want to ask comes out of what you shared, okay? And um, as somebody who worked in housing, and I've had this conversation maybe with all all of you, but I cannot pretend that I know what housing work is like anymore. I know what it entails. I know what in the long ago times that work sort of looked like. But my, my next question for you all is if you could convey some things to, and I'm gonna say leadership, and you can take that to mean whatever you want because you are going from exhaustion. And Jordan, I hadn't even thought about the, I, I thought about the sophomores and their going to be looking to fill some gaps from their first year. But I didn't think about the push and the energy from the institutional level around, this has got to be the biggest, best ever, when people are running on empty. So do the biggest thing in the history of our institution while you're more tired than you've maybe ever been. Um, so whether it's 
yeah, go ahead. Do the, do the biggest thing in the history of our institution immediately after we have done the biggest thing in the history of our institution. Right, exactly. What, what would you like people in leadership roles to know, to do, to think about as we go to whatever is next, you know? And um, I think Jordan, you said at the beginning, we're recording this in June, who has a clue what August is gonna look like? We know things can change in a moment, you know? So we're, everything is guessing, but it feels more real that we know we're guessing than it has, at least for me in my career. So what do you want to say to people? Like what, and again, it could be requests, it could be directive, it could be, please know this. Like what, what would you like people who are going to be making decisions, not just about your time and your work, but students and other employees, what kinds of things would you like them to have from you? So immediately my brain jumped to, hey, we're still in a pandemic, <laughs> like immediately, like America, like the U.S. has decided that the pandemic's over because they are, they're tired of the pandemic, but it's not over, right? There are some very real things still happening. There's, there's still a lot of people who are choosing not to get the vaccine, maybe for personal reasons, for health reasons, you know, there's so many reasons. Maybe they don't have access to it. I go, I'm at a school that has a lot of international students. Like some people couldn't even come back to school because of their border restrictions, right? There's a lot of things going on. So that's one thing I just want to convey to like leadership everywhere that we're still in a pandemic. <laughs> um, so I'm just, comfortability, comfortability is not the same for everybody. So we're at, we're to the point to where it's like, okay, everything's going back to normal, but it shouldn't be going back to normal just yet, you know? Um, but there's not really much else I want to say about that part. But the other thing, the flip side, I will say, I think my leaders in my department, my supervisor and my director, they have been doing a great job. I'll name drop. Um, Molly Lewis is my supervisor and then Patrick Benner is my director. And they understand what it is to be a leader, what it is to be a supervisor. They... If you tell them today's not the day, I'm exhausted. I just got done crying because I just had a breakdown. Like they'll be like, go home, you know, um, take a break. And then, or they'll see that you're breaking down, like you're slowing down and they will step in without even asking for your help. And I think that's something that all leaders do that something that I'm trying to learn to reflect into my, um, to anyone that I supervise in the future. I'm really trying to learn how to see what's happening, step in before they even need help. Um, and just to convey that love, that understanding and that leniency that they have given me, because I got to admit, they're, they're amazing. Um, my department at the University of Richmond and the housing department is absolutely amazing. Thanks. So, yeah, I guess I can kind of, you know, thinking about something to convey to leadership and I've had the opportunity, you know, my long-term goal is not to work in a bar the rest of my life. This is a very temporary thing. Uh, but I've had the opportunity to interview with a few institutions and universities when I ask them, you know, what's going to be that main issue for somebody new coming into this role. It's 
almost always something along the lines of rebuilding trust um, with students. And it makes not even just students, student staff. Um, and, you know, I thought about my time where I was last and it makes a, how do we feel about cursing on this podcast? We can mute this out later, right? I'll leave it to Jen to edit. So. Okay. Uh, makes a hell of a lot of sense. Like, you know, we, you know, I know with students, I remember quite well, um, we had a midnight meeting with the staff. They said an email is going to come from the president's office tomorrow at 11 a.m. Uh, we're going to tell people they don't need to move out. And the next day at 9.45 a.m. from the president's office, an email gets sent out saying, hey, if you're sweets and traditionals, you're moving out. Um, we tell people moving back in the fall, we're going to have on-campus resources, utilities, study lounges open for you to use. And then we lock them all up. And consistently that trust has been slowly broken and broken and broken. And I know with student staff as well, like, you know, this is going to be a good year. And we do our absolute best best as student affairs educators to do that and good just probably isn't the word they would use to describe it um so it's it cannot just be us rebuilding that trust it's going to need to be a lot more than a friendly smile and a handshake during move-in week um to really say this is going to be an experience that you know you as a student and you as somebody paying money to be here you are going to get something out of this experience um, because otherwise we have one generation of students that just feels like college is a just kind of it's there like I'm doing this kind of experience so building that trust it it's going to take a lot of effort and a lot of energy and it has to have a lot of support from on top not just behind emails and in offices, but really on the groundwork, building that trust again. Oh, it's been hard to figure out what I want to say. I've had so many thoughts. I think uh, Chase and, and Lexi's points are spot on. Um, what I've spent the last couple months thinking about <clears throat> as I sort of reset for the coming year, you know, I'm a third year professional, well, third year professional postmasters. Um, and I'm sort of taking my experience in grad school, the two years before grad school, and then my two years at Duke so far, and I'm like, all right, stop. What's good, what's not good, and what's just gotta stay around because we've gotta learn different ways of being and doing in this work. Um, and what I think students need to learn most from housing work, from the work that we do with them, it's vulnerability and connection. When you look at all of the societal issues that are going on, people not wanting to wear a mask, um, the um, racial justice work that has been done in the last year, um, the insurrection at the U.S. Capitol, um, all of that. When I look at that, what I see is people are not listening to each other 
Listening requires you to sit shoulder to shoulder with someone, not across the table from someone. It's not a negotiation, it's a conversation. Um, and it also requires us to put ourselves on pause and to understand that our own understanding of someone else's experience from step one is flawed. We don't get it. We don't understand it because they're living it. And so what I would say to university leadership, division level leadership is to listen. Chase talked a lot about building trust back. I fundamentally believe that institutions also have to redevelop trust from their essential employees. We have been working. Um, there have been times, regardless of how good your institution did at responding to this, there were times where we got the shaft because someone was going to get the shaft. It had to be us. And we signed up for that. We didn't sign up for it during the global pandemic, but we signed up to be the essential worker. We need you to listen to us, to understand that even before the pandemic, I know what students' experiences are in the residential community. In some instances, before the student conduct office does, before that person in, in another area um, of student affairs knows. And what that means is our, our departmental leaderships need, need to listen and include the entry-level student-facing staff in their process. We know we're not decision makers. We're working to be there, but our lens is valid. And we need you to listen to us from the, from the standpoint of trying to understand us, not hear us, you know, because what we're providing you with is information to make good decisions. That's all we're trying to do. If you're doing your, your job as a leader of a department, um, then that's what your staff should be doing is providing you with info to make good decisions and to make it a good experience. Um, I think what everyone um, has experienced in the last two years, um, year and a half now, um, is by definition trauma. It is trauma. And so we as student affairs, um, this business of being trauma informed when it's convenient, that's not it. All of our students have experienced trauma now, 100% of them. We know it shows up differently for each individual person. So student affairs departments need to be better about being trauma informed from day one, moment one. Um, and that goes for us as staff members too. And I think that those changes that are necessary to get us to that what's next, it has to start with the lead with the institution leading by example and being vulnerable with its stakeholders. Our leaders being vulnerable to, with us, coming in and sitting with us, coming to move in for more than the photo op, coming to move in to have that, that, you know, hey, I see a hall director over here. Hey, what do you need? I don't know your work. I don't know the star res system. I don't know Mercury and your housing assignments, but what can I do? My partner and I, are, are moving in together. And we're at the moment where we're sort of learning to be each other's roommate. And we, we had a, um, uh, a conversation and what we said was, 
on um, every Sunday, we will look at each other and we will say, what's one thing I can do this week that will make your life better? What's the one thing that if I get to it by Friday, you got it. Um, there needs to be some level of that. I, don't, I know the president of the university is not going to show up to every residential community on move in to do that work. But if he, if, if they show up to one community and, and help carry boxes in um, or help check some students in, that's meaningful. If we know you're there for more than a photo, we know you're there for more than the, the, the face that you are of the institution. For us to know that you're there for the work too, that's important. So I, and again, listening to you all talk today, um, it gets me very excited about what the future could be. So a follow-up that I have is, and I'm not suggesting um, that you'll all stay in student affairs your entire career. I'm not pretending all of you aspire to be, you know, a director of housing or vice president of student affairs. My question to you, and Lexi, you touched on this a little bit when you talked about what you learned from your leaders. So you are forever changed. We're all forever changed because of what we've been through. You all are uniquely forever changed because of what you've been through in your work context. What do you think this means for you as leaders in the future? And if you wanna situate that in housing or student affairs, that's great. If you wanna take it someplace more broadly or someplace very personally, um, I just, there are leaders who have led through the pandemic but they do not have the depth of insight about what this has meant for students that each of you has. And you all have kind of um, uh, alluded to that, you know, listen to us because we know what we're talking about. So as you move up, you're gonna get further from students um, or maybe away from student affairs altogether. How will you take your experiences? How do you think that will shape how you cultivate teams and provide support to the people that you supervise in the future? And I, I've, I have a tendency to ask about 18 questions for each question. So you can respond to whatever part of that uh, clicks for you. Mine is a little concise. I know from this podcast, you would be like, you can speak concisely, Jordan. Um, the what and the how of the work that we do will fall into place. It always does. It always comes. We figure it out. The most important piece is the who. These are human bodies doing this work. These are human bodies that are next to other human bodies with COVID-19 doing this work. That will forever stay with me. I don't care if I'm in student affairs and I'm the vice president of student affairs 
if I'm the president of the United States, where wherever I go, whatever work I'm doing, I want to know how my people are. Sure, if you're if you got a lot going on in your personal life, I'm your employer. <laughs> you know, there's there is a line there. Um, you you've got to do the work at home to be able to show up to work and be effective at what you do. Um, but my job as a supervisor and as a leader is to make sure that our people, by the sheer nature of the work they're doing, aren't overwhelmed and aren't bouncing around from one thing to the next and, and don't know if they're coming or going. That's my problem to solve. Um, everything else will fall into place because it always does. I used to be a very processed, focused person. Like, all right, well, here's what we have to do. Well, if the thing that this person has to do is negatively impacting them or is a struggle for whatever reason, my job is to go to them, to listen to them and try to help them get the resources, be that human resources, um, physical resources, any of that, that they need to get the job done. That's what I did with my RAs and that's what I will always do. And forward. it's just that time old story of this looks great on paper, but my God, this is an absolutely horrendous, like in all actuality for the people it's going to impact. Um, Cause yeah, I mean, on paper, my schedule says I'm free every single day from 8am to midnight. Doesn't mean you can schedule me from every single day. Like it's just, uh, Josh Jordan, you're absolutely right. I think for me, um, as I kind of keep going and, and you know, eventually do, we'll get further and further from the, the individual student. I think I just, I want to remember that stress and organization start at the top and trickle down, but like knowledge and education and input can come from anywhere, right? Like it can go from the bottom up, it can go from side to side, zigzag, you know? And I just kind of want to remember that kind of what Jordan was saying and what Chase was saying. Like, I think that, I think that I want to always make sure I'm finding the experts on things, even if they aren't quote unquote, like in administration, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like here it's like, no one's ever going to come ask an AC about a student, like about her knowledge on a student. But also whenever I'm no longer an AC, like why not? The ACs really are experts in student living on campus. You know what I mean? So I do think I just want to keep remembering that. Like if you're stressed out and you are at the top of like an organization, everyone else is going to feel you're stressed. If you are organized, they're going to feel your organization. But if you think you're the only one who can give education, the only one who is intelligent, they're going to feel unused, unwelcome, unneeded, and overall unappreciated. I was like, what's that word? <laughs> like unappreciated. So I think I want to keep that in mind. I, I feel I want to be respectful of your time and I just looked at the time. Um, so we're probably needing to move to wrap up, but I want to acknowledge I mean, I could sit here and listen and learn from you all. There's a lot we didn't talk about, right? So um, I just, I really do appreciate you taking the time and having this conversation and um, knowing that it's not a, um, it's not purely reflection. 
because we're still in the midst of it and still navigating harm um, and trauma and all of those kinds of things. So um, I, I do want to leave space if there's anything we haven't talked about that any of you want to either ask each other or other comments or observations that you want to make. I, I kind of want to turn it over to you if you have anything. And if not, that's okay. We can move into wrap up too. I just think if you are listening to this and you're the director of a department or you're aspiring to be the director of a department, if you've not engaged with your entire team about what worked during COVID to make them better at their job, you need to question how you're leading your department because your people need that conversation because there were things that came out of this. Yeah, there was a lot of, a lot of hell <laughs> that came out of it, but there was also a lot of innovation, a lot of success, a lot of lean processing that needs to be expanded. And I think also having that as a yearly wrap up conversation of how can we do this better? I think that needs to be a norm going forward because we're entering a, a, a period where we will, in the next 10, I heard the president say in the next 10 years, we will see more technological advances than we've seen collectively in the last 50. We have to start looking at ourselves so that we can keep up with our students and that work starts now. I guess just one thing like kind of to add is just something that Jill Elizabeth would always, always say. And like, I don't, think I've seen that point yet, but I'm starting to get there is that like earlier I said, this has been a very traumatic year. Um, you know, for us, it's just been, you know, Lexi was lucky to have organized chaos. Good for you. Um, and that Not is a the joke. whole time. Lexi. I know it's a joke, by the way, Hopefully you know that. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. The whole time. Um, but like she would say, I think the death toll of COVID was about 600,000 people. Like we are having students that have probably lost somebody to this pandemic. We, have gone through, I know for me living in Louisville, that was Brianna Taylor. And I had students that were trying to deal with isolation from the pandemic and find community and heal the community and do it safely. And it, there is just, we're a nation that's about to go through a lot of healing. Um, and I don't know what that healing is going to look like, how we're going to help process that, but that definitely something I'm still in the back of my mind. She always said it and I'm just wondering when it's really going to take form. Uh, not to cut Lexi off, but Chase, you just said something that has stuck in my mind. Um, you talked about students looking for community, but wanting to heal that community. I think it's important to say that as student affairs folks, we try to, we think we have to have all the answers. Our students want to do this work with us. Our students want to heal the institution and get us to a new culture. They want to do that work. We just have to stop being gatekeepers and let them in. Yeah, and I wasn't really gonna say much. Um, I was just gonna say that all in all, then I also feel like I'm about to jinx something. I don't know. Like, I, <laughs> we'll, we'll just let Jen decide if I'm jinxing things. She just cut it out to jinx. But I was just gonna say like, we did, 
survive the initial like onset panic of the pandemic, you know, and it's not over yet. And honestly, it could stay for a while. I don't know. But right now we are acting, you know, here we're acting like we're going back to normal. Like everything's gonna be pretty much quote unquote normal for this upcoming year. Um, so I guess what I wanted to say was if we haven't seen the worst of it, at least we do have some things in place that might make the next time better. We can be more prepared. Um, maybe we can take a deep breath and look at each other and help each other instead of everyone just like running around, you know, with their heads cut off, right? Like, so that, you know, hopefully I'm not jinxing things and knock on wood, but we have the groundwork and I do feel like now we are able to just keep building on in a positive way if needed. Which is a perfect lead to the last question that I want to ask you all. Um, and I do want to acknowledge that while you have highlighted concerns and issues, I also heard in each of your comments hope, right? Um, there, there's still work to be done. There are, I think we've all had individuals who have been highlights of our experience in the past year and a half who just really have been inspirational or, um, you know, there are certain people that if you're just around them, you feel a little bit better about the universe than before you were, you know, in a meeting with them or on an elevator, whatever it might be, even in Zoom space. What is something, or if there are a couple of things, and these don't have to be job related at all, can be, depends on, you know, what you're, what, like I've said a few times, what comes to mind, but what are some things that are bringing you joy right now? Yeah, for me, I know whenever I was trying to figure out the answer to this question, I didn't know exactly how to answer it. And I still don't fully know how to answer it, but just the whole, the generic, like, oh, my friends and family, like that's honestly, it's generic, but it's so true. Like, you know, coming here to Richmond, I didn't know anyone at all. Um, I didn't even know anyone in, in Virginia, right? But I've had a team here that really cares about me. And um, I've made friends here who, you know, really support me. And I think it's just really important to have those happy moments of, yeah, we might be working really hard at work and we might be exhausted, but like I also have someone I can talk to on a personal level outside of work, right? Um, but besides that, just in my personal life, my, this is really random. I'm acting like her mom. I tell everyone this, but my best friend just got engaged. So I'm really happy for her. And when I say that truly, um, I actually know both of them from college. So they're both really good friends of mine. So that truly brings me joy right now. I'm just like, ah, love, yay. So <laughs> that, I think that is probably the biggest thing right now that's bringing me joy. It's just my, my friends and family and seeing them so happy. Great. Thank you, Lexi. I think for me, I'm a supervising RC this summer. So I have an RA team with some residents. I actually have all the Duke University athletes. So I know housing folks know where my life is this, this semester to have all the athletes in one building. Um, but uh, I recently took two weeks of vacation and that's just, I, I'm normally not someone who would take two full weeks off. I deleted my email app. I refused to do anything student affairs related 
or work-related for two full weeks. And I did not know how much I needed that mm. and what it has taught me about going forward is it is okay to disengage. You can be really good at something and love something, but still walk away from it completely from time to time. And, and honestly, you need that to come back with a fresh perspective. Um, so I, I, that brought me a ton of joy. Um, my dog brings me a lot of joy and my partner, Cody. He, um, he is about to go through his first August as a res life partner. So he gets to experience all that craziness, but um, we're moving in together. So um, yeah, some days that stresses me out, but getting to disengage from all of the student affairs stuff to have like that world where we're very, very much focused on how can we have a relationship that sustains us outside of this apartment um, that's a lot of fun. That's a, you know, sometimes it's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun too. I do just want to note, you said dog first, partner second, but I assume that's because you had more to say about the partner. So, I mean, no dog first, partner second. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, thanks Jordan. How about you Chase? What's your joy? Uh, so unfortunately, I can't really say anything official right now, and I don't want to jinx anything. But I have been in the interview process for like months now. Like literally, I've been job searching since like last November. <laughs> it's hire him. Well, and I'm hoping that, you know, when this comes out, I could sit back and listen to it and I am, you know, dealing with movement and stuff like that. Um so I'm in the final process for a few play. I'm just fingers crossed and everything that, you know, I just something works out because that's the big thing that's given me hope right now is that I will finally, after months of being separated, get the chance to go back into the field that I, that I actually love a lot. So that's the thing giving me hope right now. That's good. All right. Well, all good energy to you as always, Chase, and and to all of you. Um, but keep it well, not via podcast. You don't have to make an official announcement, but keep the rest of us posted about how things go. So, um, well, all right. So, thanks one more time to our guests, Chase Coleman, Anna Claire Jackson, Lexi Johnson, and Jordan Byers. I really do appreciate this. It. Um, you shared a lot of important things and I really do hope a lot of people listen to this um, because it's not just pandemic stuff. This is about uh, what you, what I am taking away from this episode is be good to other human beings in the workplace, whether you're, they're your students, your peers, your supervisees, whatever it might be. And we all need to be reminded of that. And especially given what we're, again, hopefully coming out of. Um, but to your point earlier, I think it was you, Lexi, we're not out of it, you know. And so continuing to do our best to show understanding for one another 
um, because next year will be different, but it will have its own set of challenges and things that we all have to navigate. So um, just as always, grateful to know each of you and I thank you for your time. Today's SA Today podcast was brought to you by, or is brought to you by SACSA. We thank them for their support. Additionally, this show would not be possible without producer Jen Lowe at the University of South Florida. Thanks as always for your support, Jen. Um, we'll see if she feels the need to edit out. But the, the swear that you shared, Jared, or I'm sorry, Chase, your Jared is up on your screen, um, is not the swear that I thought was coming. So I think we're gonna be okay. But, um, but thank you for your work, Jen. And I also have a quote to close with um, that I chose based on the subject matter today. And it's from Dr. Maya Angelo. The ache, I'm sorry, the ache for home lives in all of us. The safe place where we can go as we are and not be questioned. And that hopefully is at the core of most housing programs. Knowing each of you, I know creating safe space where people can be the fullest and most vibrant versions of themselves. I see you, saw you doing that work before you left the program. And um, I'm just really grateful to have you all in the roles that you are. As a former housing person, it's very important work. I won't say the most important work on air, but I will just say it's very important work. So my name is Michelle Botcher. It has been a pleasure to host this episode today. Have a beautiful day, everyone.